Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, Hum by Verizon, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek Podcast one, number 196, our first podcast of the 2019 year. I'm John Davis, and joining me today are writer-producer Brian Robinson. Hello, John Davis. And road test producer Ben Davis. Hello. Uh, quick shout out to my dad who never misses an episode of this. Dad, I love you, and wow. thanks for oh, exposing wow. me to cars oh, and trucks early me, when I was a kid, right and even to this day. Very, you, very buddy. special. Thank you, Ben. Online content coordinator, Greg Carlos. That's me. And over the edge reporter, Zach Mescal. Someone's cutting onions in here. <laughs> oh, just, just, John's not my dad, just for anybody. Oh, just that. in case. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good clear up. Wait, yes. what? Thank you about that. <laughs> uh, oh, you've disowned me already, <laughs> son of mine. All right. Are we going to get a viewer question during the show? We have a lightning round about trucks. I've actually got a rave today that I want to get to. Uh, first, though, the vehicles that we've been in and around our office most recently, or we've been to their previews. We're going to start off with the new generation 2019 BMW 3 Series. Zach, you're the one that's been closest to us. Uh, the 330i and the M340i model, why don't you take it away? Yeah, first time in Lisbon, Portugal. Been to Europe a few times, but we went out there for the all-new 3 Series. We started off in the 330i, uh, that's your entry-level 3 Series um, and then we wound up in the 340i once we got to the racetrack. Um, it's got more road fuel than before. It's longer. It's got a wider track. But the chassis feels very tossable. It's very nimble. And I really had a lot of fun driving it. And uh, bad news, there's no manual. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's... Not even in Europe, right? Uh, Europe, I or think they, they get will one of, they, be offering. And they probably have a diesel, too, I expect. Yeah. What, what about size? Has it grown more again? It has, but it's lost weight. Okay. Um, but like I said, the chassis, it, it's its awesome. I mean, I was I kept getting the thing sideways, and it was a blast to drive. The 330 on the street, you know, it, it was enough power. But, you know, my driving partner and I were both craving more 255 horsepower, uh, for the two-liter four-cylinder turbo, we're always harping about steering feel. It's gotten better. Okay. I mean, you know, the 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 last couple that we drove at the track, I wasn't a big fan, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely there this time. Um, you know, it's I don't know. It's the 340 that power delivery is 382 horsepower, and let's keep in mind that these are evolutions of the old two-liter and. Um, what is it? Three liter turbo, mm -hmm. three liter turbo six. But you know the power delivery is great. Transmission Smith uh, shifts super smooth. The interior is so good looking. It's money. I uh, absolutely love it. Analog dash is gone. Now it's just a screen. Hmm. Um, and one of the cool things was the tachometer. It's on the right side still, but it's uh, counterclockwise the way that it goes up and down. And the engineers told me that that was for. Um, you know, to clear up more room within the dash so that you can have more notifications there and stuff like huh. that. It actually looked quite at home. Um, when I first got in it, you know, I was kind of looking at it like, and I wasn't immediately like, hey, this is out of place. It was almost like I had seen it before. Well, they, you, there have been cars in the past that had the speedo clockwise and the, and the tower 
attack counterclockwise, but I couldn't tell you which ones. But I can remember we've had some in the office over the years. So, but that is kind of a throwback. Yeah, that's cool. Anybody else? We've all seen the the photographs and read the specs of it. These days, what does M mean anymore? I mean, now they've tacked it on basically just their six cylinder model. Is it anything extra? The M. 340. It's just the tweener model between yeah. the base and the right. full-on M. Yeah. But is it really that? I mean, they've taken basically the the up the, the the upgrade, the six-cylinder, and there is no six-cylinder without the M. So, does it really get more, or is it just a way of model designation? Yeah, it comes with different wheels and tires, different suspension. More That's options, more like everything. the M. Yeah, so. it's just a tweener model. Yeah. In a way, I I applaud them for kind of. Um, decluttering because they had so many models before now it's a lot more straightforward but you can still get m sport packages on your 330 right, right. which mm-hmm. that muddies up the water but right well whatever but they'll sell a lot more 330s and they will 340s probably all right let's move on to our second car the uh, 2019 audi rs3 we were a little late getting in this car but i have to say once you did get in it it was worth the wait really an amazing little sedan in my opinion yeah it's uh shares the mqb platform with every other small volkswagen closely resembles the ttrs the most which everyone mm-hmm. loved that we we had that in basically slightly longer uh wheelbase <laughs> four-door version of the ttrs if you look at it that way uh, go ahead uh yeah um, i i always like the idea of a tt more than i actually like the execution of it but the, the rs3 <laughs> is kind of like it's like a good-looking TT. I like four doors. Yeah. That's just how I am. Uh, this was a blast to drive. Had it for the weekend. It sounds – it's snarly. Yeah. Um, it, you find yourself, like, constantly staying in dynamic mode and making sure the uh, exhaust baffles are open. Um, ton of fun to drive on the weekend. If I had to complain about one thing, this is kind of with all Audis – uh, if you're into paddle shifters, you will not be into these paddle shifters because yeah. they're just like plasticky they and yep. they don't feel yeah. good. Which is it's ironic because the Porsche has such great paddle shifters. Same company, and yeah, and an yeah. Audi just has terrible paddles. Yeah, it, it it was the most fun Audi that I've driven, short of an R8 that I can remember. You know, sometimes you get in them and they seem almost overtecked. This car sounded great, felt great. You felt like you were wearing it a bit. So it's not the biggest car in the world, but what fun! Sure. But it is fifty six thousand dollars too. What do you think, Ben? Ah, uh, I would. I love the the five cylinder engine and mm-hmm. the exhaust. Just big barks. I mean, yeah, it's great to drive. You guys covered everything on it. Um, handling. Do you think it could brakes. have been a little bit louder? <laughs> I thought it was. Uh, I mean, you could always go louder in the aftermarket, but for something you could buy off the showroom floor, yeah. I thought it was yeah. just right. I, God, I, it, it was the the noise it makes it when the yeah. engines basically you know up and down shifting the barking and all that sort of made up for that. It was like the car just spoke to you a lot. Yeah, and then when you settle things down and you want to just cruise, it gets virtually quiet. So yeah, there's no droning or anything you got to play with. I'm really not sure who out there is going to spend fifty six thousand dollars for something that small. But I have to tell you, if I had a big garage and a lot of money. I would buy one just to have something to entertain. That, yeah, so. oh yeah, that's the base price. Closer to seventy, wasn't Probably it? Probably add it was. ten grand to, <clears throat> to fifty-six. The last vehicle we're going to talk about today is one that's been eight years in coming. Uh, the twenty nineteen Ford Ranger. 
It's back. It's being made in America. It's the same basic truck that's been made around the world since 2010, but uh, updated, obviously. Uh, Brian, you've had a chance to drive it. Why don't you fill us in? Absolutely. It is the Australian-built Ranger based on that. Uh, They said they've changed things up significantly for our market. You know, most of the body panels are unique. Uh, Engine is the Mustang's 2.3 liter, uh, which puts out 270 horses. Not as much torque as the Mustang, uh, but plenty enough to tow 7,500 pounds. Which is a best-in-class. Yeah, and no V6, which, you know, a lot of people were... Uh, I don't know, upset about, but making noise about, but you know, they're don't the you turbo think that's four, coming? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure because their their uh, philosophy is their turbo four puts out more power than anybody else's gas six and gets better fuel economy than anybody else's four. So they think they have the perfect engine. Uh, definitely no diesel or anything like that. Um, it's it's a tough little truck. Uh, I put the ride quality kind of in between the Chevy and uh, you know the Tacoma. You know, being on the rough side, uh, it drives pretty nice. Uh, probably most impressive was the powertrain. Uh, the 10-speed automatic uh, is the only transmission you can get, and uh, it worked really well with that engine. Um, probably the best 10-speed uh, application I've driven yet. Um, smooth in operation, and also I think the turbo helps it. Like coming out of corners, you know, feeding in a little extra power so it doesn't have to downshift to half a dozen gears to to get you going but all in all uh you know a ton of people have been asking me about it so there's a lot of excitement oh, yeah. out there about it and i think uh i think they'll sell a ton of them well there's a lot of ranger owners including myself that have been waiting for this for a long time and even though it's a little bit bigger a lot than, bigger you know than maybe for instance it's nice to have a small pickup truck around your house something that doesn't take up a huge amount of space it's still i don't know if it's too big or not until we actually have a chance to use it but it's sure it's nice like a truck it is big you know, yeah. if you're looking for something the size of your last ranger you're well, out of luck. that's gone yeah. did, there's anything you were on the launch did they huh? talk at all about sales like could they see it potentially taking some sales from f-150 you know maybe keeping people yeah. in-house but yeah. somebody who wanted I'm a sure ranger in the last couple of years had to yeah get up to that's the major reason they always said that they weren't building one mm-hmm. uh, a smaller truck is that they thought it would cannibalize sales. yeah absolutely it will take some from the f-150 but they're just <laughs> happy to have them in the ford family i think for a while they were nervous about you know chevy was getting awful close to taking them off for the number one truck there but i think they're far enough ahead now that they're not really worried about losing that, and uh, they're just happy to sell people a Ford. No, I'm, the numbers are s- still not out yet, but not sure Chevy's even going to be number two anymore. Yeah. Anybody else on the Ranger? It's a lot of interest. I, you will have one in here at the shop uh, pretty soon, and I, I for yeah, one, looking forward to it. Was there any Go word ahead. on the Ranger Raptor Yeah, They still say they're not going to sell it here, although there's already spy shots of it. Yeah, They're going to be selling it at least in Australia. I don't know why they wouldn't bring it here. I'm sure... They're kind of holding on to that to make a big splash at some point. They don't want to basically have people waiting. Yeah, they and the to... oh, that's and true. You tell us about though the off-road package. You, yeah, a lot of the get. terrain select stuff and off-road terrain management is the same stuff that's in the Raptor. Obviously, it doesn't have the you know ground clearance or uh, any additional power or anything like that. But it's I'm sure it will happen at some point. Four-wheel well, drive is quite a step up in I price, right? I was surprised right? by that. Yeah, four grand if you want four-wheel true. drive. Yeah. and it's odd because there's no. Like, you can't tell any difference in exterior appearance between two and four-wheel drive. Unlike some, like Mm. the Tacoma Mm -hmm. has that uh, two-wheel drive version that it's tiny compared to, like, the four-wheel drive version. But, 
they didn't no extra height or anything. No, they both look the same. Everything comes with a tow hitch. You know, you can obviously upgrade to a tow package if you want to tow max towing. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good truck for sure. Front bumper, they made a big deal about it being all steel. You know, a lot of um, that's on all of them. Yep, all of them have a full steel bumper, which some of them have a lot of plastic on them. Uh, so when you get into off-roading, you start breaking stuff. But I don't know if that's a big deal to a lot of people. But for some people, I imagine it will be. I think it's another uh, Ford, built Ford Tough uh, thing they'll probably hang their hat on. Lightning round. Uh, we're going to give each of us about 30 seconds to uh, talk in a trending topic. And here we go. Recently, a MotorWeek retro review, which Ben Davis, no relation, is responsible <laughs> for, of a 1990 Chevy 454 SS pickup went viral, which got our staff thinking performance SUVs are more popular than ever. Is the performance truck due for a comeback? Oh, yeah. I think it already has in some <laughs> a lot of aspects. I'll start it off. i say bring them back, bring back two-door trucks and performance variants. It's super limited uh, colors and powertrain options, and even radically change the sheet metal. I mean, take all the shape out of trucks that maybe not a lot of people like and bring back a more slab-sided performance. Just, I, I mean, super exclusive. Not only Don't you think trans, F- FCA, the Ram people, must, be, must have a couple of prototypes running around with... You know, uh, they're due for a little an SRT Express, engine, right? And, and exactly. <laughs> Stacks on the sides, sticking yeah. way up to the sky. Yeah, bring it on. I even want to see some uh, some trademarking with some bands. Like, I want a Metallica edition F one fifty stuff like that. I want to see it. Well, if gas stays around two bucks a gallon, why not? Guns and Roses Silverado. <laughs> bring it on. First burnout I ever saw in a truck was a Ford SVT Lightning. I love that yeah. thing, man. That was a great truck. And then I saw it in Fast and the Furious and. I was like, what? You know, what's that whining noise? And you work for Harry, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Slinging parts for Harry. You were just fired. But is is um, NASCAR truck growing in popularity, or is that? That's a good question. That's because a, that's a that would be <laughs> that would be something that the, the, you know they could build on easily. Yeah, somewhat. Uh, I don't think. I'm not sure that's the market that would be. You know, I think the drag not. racers would be more uh, into the. You know, if you're going back to the original SVT, like I think part of it is everybody wants more of the off-road style, like the Raptor now. And also, you know, when that lightning came out, there was nothing like that. And, you know, you couldn't get any, you know, big power in a pickup truck no matter where. Now, even a regular F-150, you can get more power than what those lightnings were ever putting out. So uh, I think it would be cool for sure to bring it back, but I'm not sure it's a big uh, – it would be as a big of a deal as it was back when the lightning came out. Yeah, that lightning, though, was so much more than just power. It was just a – Perfectly matched. It's awesome looking. Vehicle. Yeah, great parts. Does NASCAR run four-door shells on their trucks? No. Oh, yeah. yeah, which no one even makes a regular cab. I know. Yeah, hardline. Sweet. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our viewer question. Did you, uh, did Raymond. You 30 seconds, Greg? Everybody oh, can. I'm sorry. I don't want to waste anybody's time. You're not wasting anybody's <laughs> time. <laughs> you wouldn't hear what you have to you say. You wouldn't be here if that was the case. I, I mean, he was sitting there, on, so <laughs> docile. I just sort of assumed he didn't have anything he wanted to say. Uh, All cares. right, shoot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess define performance truck, really, because there are performance trucks now. Like, we, we already mentioned the Raptor and the Ranger Raptor that might come. The What well, now, the uh, Colorado Bison. These are, and like you said, they're off-road performance trucks, which I guess is what's in right now. But it's good they still don't have a choice, man. Back to what you said. I mean, if there was ever a time for a performance street truck to come back, it's now. Yeah. 
cheap gas and uh yeah i mean and they've got the power trains it's not like this would be really difficult definitely definitely are you done i'm done okay that's it everybody can go back to doing what they were doing all right we're going to move on to raymond from dallas who's got a viewer question uh he was uh, thanks for our show thank you for the comment raymond i hope it runs forever so do we Hope I run forever. During the road test, you often drive in a rural setting with windy roads, farms, and wooden fences. I know Motor Week is produced in Maryland, but where do you conduct your road test? It certainly is an attractive backdrop. I'm sure the great people of the state of Maryland would appreciate that. We'll never tell. <laughs> Anybody want to answer, Raymond? Uh, without giving names of roads away, they are pretty much a stone throw away from us here in Owings Mills. We're very lucky. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, there's a lot of less traffic out there. You got to find roads with that don't cast harsh shadows and shelter you from wind a lot of times. And so there's a lot of a lot of roads that don't meet our criteria, unfortunately, and that are very pretty. Yeah. Yeah, we've had to go farther afield, you know, as the years have gone on, just with traffic building up. I mean, we used to shoot tons of the driving stuff right in front of our building yeah. years ago, but don't really do that anymore. Yeah, we are in a suburb of, of Baltimore, and Baltimore is one of the areas where everything builds up along the feeder roads, but you get off them about a half a mile, and it's still pretty rural to the most part. And we're also lucky that we have some large horse farms around us and the roads around those are ones we use shout but out it, to carroll county yeah <laughs> but it is interesting you can have a beautiful road with trees and it's just gorgeous looking to your eye but the camera hates it because of the shadows so yeah, has, ben and his team have to be careful yeah it's gotten a lot harder to find uh, roads to shoot on especially when we're out because you'll notice sometimes that we're driving in green Maryland in the first road test, and then all of a sudden we're in the deserts of Southern California when we're on these uh, um, press events. And that's probably the most difficult time to do drive-bys because not only are you on a time limit, but you're on roads you've never been on before. You, it's there's traffic sometimes. You got to yeah, work spend around stuff. Hours sometimes. Not to mention yeah. that everywhere you shoot in California, they're asking to pull permits True. and everything like that. So um, when searching for new roads, we hit Google Earth first to see what roads you can see roads from Google Earth, and you can see if there's houses nearby, and you can also see trees where shadows may. If you're lucky enough to even get a good Google Earth shot during the midday, it'll show you mm-hmm. where the shadows are if you're in the right season. So Google Earth, if you're looking for good roads, that's the best way to start. And then it'll be CGI pretty soon for us. Oh, yeah. Just just, just, just feed car. it in. Have it look like you're driving. But, Raymond, we do drive the cars. We do test them. And, by the way, you didn't really ask, but our test track is out near the uh, Maryland city of uh, Mount Airy. It's uh, 7580 Dragway. It's uh, an old strip that we continue to use and uh, have been using it Gosh, for over 30 years. Emphasis on the old part. Oh, yeah, we're, trying, old we're doing track. our best. We're doing our best to keep it up. Thanks, Raymond, and thanks for the compliments. Before we end the show, there are two things I want to do. First, we didn't really plan on a rant and rave segment today, but I do want to give a rave out to Porsche because of a system they have developed for the new, nine, new generation 911. It's called wet mode, and what it does, it's a safety system that actually anticipates when the car might start to hydroplane and um, does things like redirect torque and uh, alters the driving uh, mode systems to help compensate for basically drivers that don't have enough sense to slow down. Have you experienced it at all? Uh, I know what you're talking about, and I was just laughing because (laughs) – 
my sister Allison, when she took her driver's yeah. test, was like obsessed with hydroplaning. I don't know why she was just fascinated <laughs> well, with it. Once you super, do it once, it super, scares you super so scared of it, yeah. and like she just could not get past it. But anyway, this is the car for her. But yeah, yeah, they use this like wheel sensor inside wheel, the wheel well. There are cameras inside the wheel wells that look at how much water is splashing out, and then it'll even lower some flaps to create the uh, to increase downforce. Uh, apparently, it was something that Porsche and Mercedes and some other manufacturers developed many years ago as part of some project. Never did anything with it. And the chief designer behind the uh, the new 911 just thought it was time to bring it forward because he heard of some owner that got into real trouble. Uh, so, and and I had never heard of this before. If this is successful. Because so many tires are wide now, and they basically are uh, easy to hydroplane in. I can see that spreading to other uh, vehicles. Really can. Sure. Anybody else got a rant and rave or anything they want to talk about? We have our final thing on today's show is to say goodbye to Zach Mescal. So long. Uh, Zach has been with us, what, five years? Five years. Five years. Wow. And uh you know, he half a decade is a long time in television, and he's moving on to greener pastures. Uh, he's not doing. Uh, we're not firing him on the air at all. That would probably be funny. It would. Memorable like might be the right word. Yeah. Now we're going to really miss your insight. You've managed to do the most important thing you can do in the segments. Uh, your over-the-edge segments, and that is involve people, let them live vicariously through you. We have, we've, we've had so many people say how much they really enjoy because they couldn't experience these events firsthanded, and they did it through you. Uh, it was a gift uh, that you've given to a lot of viewers, and you should be very proud of that. I appreciate that. Did you know that China landed on the dark side of the moon? I saw it on the news this morning. Isn't that nuts. That's deep, man. Yeah, man. Shout out to Pink Floyd. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the coolest job you could ever have, man. I mean, I've just always wanted to do. I've seen things, and I, I want to know how they work. I want to know how to drive them. So I drove the tank from the Fast and the Furious movie. I've driven a monster truck and jumped it, and my neck's still sore to this day. Uh, went off road with Land Rover across the country, trying not to touch pavement as much as possible. And I think one of the most funny things that ever happened was driving the Aventador S in Spain. It was Valencia, Spain, and uh, we had no front tag, so the cops pulled us over. And all the cops wind up walking up to the car, and they're looking at it. And the one cop like kind of points, like asking if she can get in. I'm like, yeah, get in. So then the boss cop comes over and he essentially pulls her out and he like waves his finger at her. He's like, no. And we were just sitting there cracking up. And then they wanted to tow the car because we weren't going to pay them on the spot. Um, really? Yeah, for no front tag. So that was funny. Um, yeah, man, exploring uh, exploring the world and fun cars. And it's been a blast. And living to tell about it. Yeah, yeah. The ice drifting <laughs> was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, the, the Lamborghini ice drifting was phenomenal. Um, yeah, there's just so much, so many cool things you can do, but yeah, nothing but fun. We're going to miss you. Miss you guys. And I think on that little somewhat somber note, we're going to wrap up this edition of our Motor Week podcast, number 196. Thank you, Zach, one more time. It's been great having you with us. It's been a pleasure. Greg Carlos, Ben Davis, Brian Robinson, thank you all for joining us. And our hats off to David Wainwright, our audio engineer that always makes us sound terrific. And our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. And our producer, Joe Ligo, who is uh, standing right over here. 
Uh, he's been silent today, but Joe's always basically makes makes sure that we know what we're talking about from one oh, show yeah, to Joe. the next. Thanks, Joe. Get him, Joe. And to everyone else, thanks very much for being a part of the MotorWeek family, for watching us on the Motor Trend Network, for basically being there for all the public TV stations that air us around the country. Till next time, I'm John Davis for all of us at MotorWeek. Thanks very much, and drive safely out there. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, Hum by Verizon, RockAuto.com, and State Farm.